Uh, we are so glad that you're with us. If this is your first night with us, we are glad that you have chose to join us, and thanks for all that have come back. We need to pray, fill up these gaps here. We're still missing quite a few folks. We need to be praying God brings all them in. But uh, it is good to be with you tonight, and I'm glad for the opportunity to to uh, introduce our first speaker of the night. So before I do that, just kind of recap where we've been. Uh, Sunday morning when we started off, right, how many of you can tell me what, what were we supposed to do? We're supposed to go one foot in, one arm in? No, all in, right? And the big word was surrender. And, uh, man, what a challenge we had to surrender. Then we got to talk about that on Sunday night and see how Brian Berry is surrendering. Then we came back on Monday morning, and uh, we had some good sessions on church planting, talking about the need to, to plant churches. And, and as we progressed through that morning, we talked about key men, key cities, key tools, and a key message. And uh, we culminated with Mike Blake giving a testimony uh, and talking about key relationships, which was really setting us up for what we heard last night as well. Um, when uh, Pastor Boffman came and said, hey, listen, if you're going to grow, you got to go. If you're going to grow, you got to go. And he really challenged us in our obedience uh, to go. Remember, we were in Isaiah 52. Awake, awake, O Jerusalem, man. Wake up. You're getting a little tired on Tuesday. So let's wake up and uh, and uh, be all about what God uh, needs us to do and, and grow uh, and we got to go if we're going to grow. If we're going to grow, we got to go. And he talked about the need to be obedient. So that was good. Then this morning, uh, man, what a great session. If you missed that, you need to get the tape, uh, which we don't have tapes anymore. So uh, you'll have to wait till that's out online. So uh, you have to pull it out of the atmosphere. But uh, I, really, I, I'm, I'm the best probably exposition I have ever heard on um, on Philadelphia and partnerships. And now I admit I haven't heard a lot of expositions on it, but I, I will promise you. There probably will not be one any better, in all honesty, than I heard this morning. It is so good. I said I, I'm, I'm capturing it. And uh, when you go through our HBI course on church planning, I'm going to add a class. Just I'm going to repeat everything he just said this morning. I mean, it is that good. So you miss something if you miss that. And then uh, we had a, following that, uh, we got to again just, just to illustrate uh, what God was doing. Uh, we heard about an opportunity. Uh, and uh, with some peoples that are in closed countries, difficult places, and how God is just working through just ordinary people, right? Little churches and little out-of-the-way places to do things over and above what you could ask or think by God's grace and his power, you know, for his glory. And uh, and then we wrapped up with a, a really good question, which was why Ireland, right? So we were able to hear uh, from Brian on some of the historical elements of Ireland, their pagan past, and uh, the, the, where they're at to their present, and where they'll end up if the mission fails, right? So we're still in motion. We're still in motion, and what we do matters. We know the time is short. We know we may not make it through this sermon, this uh, the service tonight, uh, before the Lord catches us away. Okay, we get that, but we still we're in play, right? And when you're in play, you don't quit. The buzzer hasn't gone off, and uh, and 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 it isn't over yet. And souls are still at stake, and we got to get the mission accomplished while we have time. And so that's why we have these these uh, boards up here, uh, these little sign-up sheets, and the, this info. We have four trips available right now. I committed this morning uh, to potentially taking one to Ireland in the future sometime, and 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 uh, and getting the word first involved in that, and, and maybe seeding some scripture there. That would be a cool thing to do. But for now, right now in front of us, we have opportunities opportunities to go uh and and that's so that we can grow and so i'm looking forward to how god populates these and and how we by faith continue to go forth on the mission trips that god has before us and one of those trips is to the dominican republic 
And uh, if you were here a, a few years ago, uh, Lee Carter came and he preached and, and did a great job here at the Vision Conference. And uh, so uh, him and Heather have been going through quite a bit, and we didn't want to like you know burden them and bog them down. And this brother calls me up and says, "You got a conference? I'm going to be there." And I'm like, "What? Are you sure?" He's like, "Yeah, man." So Lee Carter's been here all week, and uh, and just been he's good as glue, man. I just love the guy. Uh, evangelist. He's out. He's out. He's probably doing more for Heartland right now, doing more for the kingdom of God and evangelism than we're up here talking about it. And he's out. He's up here at, at all these buying people's carts and, and witnessing to them, inviting them out to the conference, inviting them to Easter service. And I gave him some Christ Soccer Academy uh, handouts too. I said, hey, bro, if you're going to be at it, just go ahead and invite him to Christ Soccer. <laughs> and uh, man, he's he's all about the business of the kingdom of God. But God's doing a good job in their a good work in their life, getting them ready to go back to the DR. And you know what? Because they're going to be going back, we'll be going back. And I don't want to steal any thunder, so I'm going to let Lee take it from there. But I do want you to pray about the trips, and I want you to pray about this trip in particular. And I want to I want to give as much time to Lee as possible. So give Lee a good welcome as he comes up and gives us an update on the DR. I don't have anything good to say, but God does. Amen. God is our refuge and strength. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our refuge. We can run to you. We can hide in you. We can let you take all the licks. We can just sit there as one of your children. Because of you and who you are and what you're willing to do. It says, and strength. A very present help in trouble. Anybody in trouble? Come on, anybody in trouble? Aye, 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 come on. We're in church, people. Anybody in trouble? He's our refuge and strength. Amen? Man, that'll, that'll fill you up. Therefore, will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Man, if you're in God, there isn't anything that can rock you. Because He's solid. Amen? Amen. So, it's been amazing so far. I know, I'm supposed to be talking about the Dominican. It's been amazing so far, being here. This body of believers is amazing. Your faith in the Lord is amazing. What Christ is doing here is amazing. Don't take it for granted. Take it for somebody from somebody who goes all over the place. This is the definition of peculiar. I know it's up the highway a ways, but <laughs> this is the definition of peculiar. Don't take it for granted. Somebody talked, I can't remember, because there's been so much good teaching. You don't want him to take it up the road. We don't want that to happen. Romans 10, 
Verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That's the Dominican. I know the theological, I get it, I do, I understand what's happening here and what's being referred to here, pastors and fellow believers. That's the Dominican. That's the people in the Dominican. You walk up to anybody in the DR and ask them if they know Jesus, they're going to tell you yes. Because they've heard his name. Most of them. I'd say probably 90% of them have heard his name. But they don't know Jesus. They don't know him. They've heard his name. There's a difference between hearing somebody's name and even being the acquaintance of that person, let alone trying to say you know him. Right? They've heard his name, but they don't know him. It goes on, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's the Dominican. So if you want a picture of what we see every day in the Dominican Republic, there you go. That's what's happening in the Dominican Republic. I'm Lee Carter. Hello. My better three-fourths is still in Alabama. So anything I do wrong is her fault because she's not here. All right. So this is the Dominican Republic. We, we share the island with Haiti. Okay. But we are also on an island. Where's he at? He's been claiming an island all week. We, we are on an island also, just like he's on an island. By the way, fun fact about his island, he hasn't shared yet, is beer is cheaper than water on that island. When he talks about recovery, recovery process, beer is cheaper than water where he's going. He needs your prayers. Okay? So this is the capital. This is Santa Domingo. All right? Me and four and a half million of my best friends live there. No, I'm not even acquaintances with most of them. But four and a half million people in that area. Okay? So we went in the middle of COVID, and we're under what we would call in the States martial law. The curfew was you could leave your house from 5 a.m. to noon. You were in your house 17 hours a day. So if you have to be, you can only be out from 5 to noon. That means for seven hours every day, it's the largest traffic jam you've ever seen in your life. All right. So that's, we currently live in Santa Domingo. You didn't think you were not going to see one of my grandkids, did you? Whoop, went too far. So this is Bethany, my daughter, Johnny, her husband, my Timothy, and that's my grandson who is the one that really counts, right? That, that's JJ, all right? So they are treading water as fast as they can while we are stateside. They are running with it. We talk daily. They are amazing. They stepped up to the plate. Mom had to come get surgery. That's just the way it was. And Johnny said, let's roll. Okay? They need your prayers. This is my beautiful bride. 
This is the picture that she would have had me use, right? She's not here. This is the picture I will use. <laughs> All right? <laughs> she can't make me sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> um, we had been there for about six months, and my wife and my daughter were coming back from the park on the sidewalk in the safest neighborhood in the entire country, and they were robbed. The way they do that there is they shut off the, the engine on the motorcycle. They look for people walking on the sidewalk, and so they're, they're riding along. They shut it off so you can't hear them coming. If you have anything in your outside hand or if the strap's on the outside, they're going to cut the strap or snag it out of your hand and hit the accelerator, fire everything back up, and take off. In that process, I'm married to a redhead who's part Italian, okay, and she didn't let go. Okay, he won, she didn't, because you ain't going to, I'm sorry, it's a motorcycle. I don't care if it's a 50cc. You're not going to be able to hang on to whatever she, whatever he's grabbing at that point. So she got yanked off the sidewalk in a way that started the injury. We didn't know. We didn't know how bad it was. She knew something didn't feel right, and then she just went on with it. A year later, it's to the point where when my wife sits, stands, eats, sleeps, drinks, twists, moves, you get the picture? L4, L5 area, lower back. She does anything, she's hurting. About a month later, I mean, we're doing injections. We're doing everything we can in country there, um, short of major surgery. Everything went through the insurance, was all approved, supposedly. And, I mean, they're covering everything, right? And so we called them ahead of time before we came back to the States. We spoke with the physicians that they told us to, did everything we were supposed to do in the right ways, come back to the States, went through the process. And they paid for the pre-op procedures. You know, you go in, blood, all the stuff they do before they do surgery, scheduled surgery. They even covered the post-operation brace that she had to have. 24 hours before surgery, we're calling the hospital to confirm the time that she needs to be there. And the lady says, you need to call your insurance because they denied your procedure. This is not optional. The doctor was very clear. There is, this is the solution. This isn't a fringe benefit in life. This was, this is what you have to have. And so we went through four different processes with damn witness to people all the way through it. Not trying to say holier than thou, but we're trying to fulfill whatever it is that God had going on and be the vessel he wanted us to be in the middle of it. <clears throat> and it was cool, the response of people, because usually people respond differently than what we were in the middle of this. And so people saw Christ in it, but they didn't cover it. They said, nope. God opened the door for another insurance company, but what does that mean that you have then? Wait period and a new deductible. <coughs> a new deductible. My budget is for one deductible. 
Not two in one year. Right? We were praying. For, I don't know what you're going to... I mean, I know you got it. But can you clue us in a little bit? You know? <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, God put three pastors in my head to call. Not to ask for money. But to call and update them as to why we were still stateside. And what the process was, what was going on. And to ask them to start praying for the Lord's provision in it. Because that can be anything. God can do all kinds of things. I call this pastor I know who I love dearly. You are a dear friend. And... I'm telling him the situation, and I hear this chuckle at the other end of the phone after I say, new deductible, and we don't have it, and just need to pray for God's provision. And I hear, the, hear him chuckling. In my head, I'm going, no, wait a minute. I know Pastor Hedges. <coughs> but I'm not sure why he's laughing about this. And uh, he says, brother, he said, I was going to do this without crying. Brother, God brought money here. We prayed about, you know, what are we supposed to do with this money? Where is it supposed to go? And there's money that's already been sent to your church that you don't even know about. Well, when you fact, factually check it out, that was before we even knew that we were going to need it. You want to talk about God? Right? The faithfulness of God wasn't reliant upon me saying, Hey, Lord. He already had it moving. Isn't that amazing? I shouldn't be surprised by that, should I? The Bible tells us not to be. But, man, I don't want to ever lose that. Not that I was shocked that he was doing something, just in awe of who he was and what he was doing. And how much he loves my wife. Amen? So, provision was taken care of. Heather had the procedure. They It's a two-day procedure. It's front and back fusion and all kinds of screws and metal and just different junk that they put in there. And presto magical change you're supposed to be good to go. So it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and leave the hospital the next Monday. Well, my wife decided to be Tuesday, Wednesday, leave the hospital Thursday. Seriously. That's how God moved. The doctors are going... You've checked all the boxes. I guess you can go home. Amen. Second, the very next week, my wife's walking a mile. No back pain. Maybe you didn't hear that. No back pain. Amen. The pain she's going through is the process of muscle recovery. Getting the motions going again that weren't working for a year. Right? 
And so it's, man, I can't thank you guys enough. And I know, don't look at me like that. I know it's God, but, comma, however, your faithfulness in the Lord matters, impacts our life in substantial ways. My wife walking without pain is fruit to your account. Amen? Praise God. So that's the update on her. She's looking at, I don't want to give it a timeline, um, because I want her 100%. I don't want her feeling like somebody slapping tires on, changing the oil, and saying, get back on the road. Right? Because that's not who she is. She's my wife. She's my bride. And she's his daughter. So 100%, and then she'll go back. As soon as we have the provision for something I'm going to show you in this, then I'm going back. Okay, because she's at a point where she can handle the rest of this process without me being the one pushing. Okay? So James 1, 16 through 7, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's what he did through you guys. It's a good gift and it came from him. And he sent it through you guys. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. We know you guys love him. It's obvious. Which ye have showed toward his name. And that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. She would be the saint part. (laughs) Biblically, I guess I qualify, but don't call me one. You'll just be disappointed. Um, (laughs) She's got that back. She's got that smile back. She has hope. She's got her. I mean, she's back. It's really cool. This is Valiente. We currently live in San Domingo. We're relocating to Valiente. There's 40,000 people there. Why are we doing that? Because God said to. Enough said, right? The other reasons is you can't disciple by being an hour and a half away from where God's telling you, okay, now go there and disciple. We've been preaching in the streets for a year, having church in front of people's houses. We actually have a place now that we've had for about seven months, eight months, something like that. Maybe a year. I don't know. I've lost count. Right? I'm thinking in country. So it's been longer than that. But we have a place. I'm going to show it to you. But this is Valiente. I've sectioned it off. Not that I'm a planner or anything. Um, and divided it up into little zones. Eventually, on Wednesday nights, the vision is there will be a Bible study happening in each one of those zones at somebody's house where they are funneling people into the Bible study, teaching them who Jesus Christ is, introducing them to the Lord and Savior that I know, that I have, that paid for my sins, that saved me from the debt that I owed, right? That I get to have a relationship with and walk with every day, listen to, have conversations with, amen? And and so as that happens, then on Sunday... Everyone's going to meet in the same place, all right? 
So in-home Bible studies, just some pictures of some of the people who have received Christ and started the process. Just some young men that thought they were in a gang. <coughs> now they're in a new gang. All right. Um, this is why my prayer group, raise your hands. This is why you get a text every now and then that says need prayer. And it doesn't say anything else because I don't have time to type anything else. This was a bunch of young men who are known for being a gang on their way to do something that was not going to be good. And I pulled up, saw what was happening. Johnny was in the car. I said, hop out, dude. He said, huh? In his best English. <laughs> I said, get out, man. We're going to go tell him about Jesus. Uh, you know they're uh Yes. Okay, that's my wife who's taking the picture sitting in the safe car. Hey? <clears throat> See the before? See the after? Amen! That's what you guys being part of the ministry does. I got the easy job. I just got to get out and do what he says. <clears throat> Look, we pray for you guys. And I know prayers work, but you're the one that's got to answer and do what he says. This is a field, too. The only difference is the language. I mean, yeah, different culture. And it's a foreign field. This is a field, right? Uh-oh. This is a field. Right? Uh-oh. I don't know who's preaching tonight, but are you hearing this? This is a field. Yeah, I got it. Uh-huh. More of the same. This is one of the houses we were meeting in front of for probably about three months. There's people there coming and flocking to hear the word, setting out in front of people's houses. Will Mary has been from the beginning. The girl second from the right. Big green grin, striped dress. She's been there from the beginning. Her and her mom have just been extremely faithful. That's her brother in the back think, thinking about picking his fingernails. <coughs> it's Wilmer. He's participating in discipleship. These two are amazing. They've been coming consistently. I don't know why I was preaching, but apparently they didn't like it. This car wash, the guy in the red shirt to the right is the owner of the car wash. I pulled in one day, there was a pool table, music going, cars being washed, bunch of youth having a good time. Johnny just looked at me and I said, yep, here we go. And uh, we went in and had a little Bible study and everybody in that picture made a profession of faith. And we have a weekly Bible study that happens at the car wash. This is Valiente, what I would call the agricultural side of it. <laughs> the name. For Mary Iglesia Biblica in Valiente. It's congregarse, that means gather, crecer, grow, discipular, go disciple somebody else. Gather in His name for His glory to praise Him for who He is. 
grow in his words to bring him glory. Go do what he says so he's glorified. Amen? So that, that's the name of it. From the gray garage door, this way is what we have right now. Isn't that pretty? Careful. <laughs> we prayed like crazy. The first time we asked for it, the guy wanted an insane amount of money to rent it to us. And I was like, nope. Gringo, but not stupid old. And, <clears throat> and uh, we just kept praying. Kept looking for another place. About four months later, I'm walking by. The guy says, hey, come here. I'll make you a deal. I was like, yeah, I bet you will. Right? He, it was about a fifth, a sixth of what he originally offered. That's what it looked like on the inside in that pretty. These are the guys that came to do the electricity. All of them got saved. I asked them how electricity worked and... You know how that went and where that went, right? I think that was a Tuesday night. That's inside the same building, guys. Man, it just makes me want to jump and shout. That's Johnny in the back. Did you see see him? Johnny, a big old boy. He's... Season to change, time to relocate. That's where we want to live. Three minutes from that building. Because live with, live with, be with, walk with, sleep with. That's what he did. And that's what he does. That's what we have to do. Amen? So pray for us. We're waiting for the provision for that. That's how hungry they are. I think that was about 11 o'clock at night. If I'm willing to stay, they're willing to stay. So that's the Dominican Republic. Amen? Thank you for the time. and preach man I don't do this kind of stuff and so there's a trip coming up and regardless of what he says I started praying for you to come two and a half years ago so I gotta jump on it and God keeps good books (laughs) you wanted all of them today dude (laughs) Thanks, Lee. I will be uh, brief. Uh, my name is Steve Fleischman, and uh, I will be leading the trip to the Dominican Republic. Uh, and we've got some dates. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think we've written them down here yet, but it'll be the uh, August 15th through the August 21st. It'll be seven days. Uh, approximately $1,500. We're looking at airlines. And uh, I don't know really what the deadline will be, but I- I'm sure, uh, you know, into June, you know, Early July is when we'll need to know by. So if you can go, we're looking to have 10 to 12 people. It'll be a big group, uh, men or ladies. If you're a 
member in good standing of this church, I think you'll be eligible to go. Um, <clears throat> trying to think of any other details I can share. But initially, I wanted to go to Africa two years ago. Uh, Pastor Randy was uh, organizing a trip, but his health kind of kept him from being able to lead that. And so I was a little bit bummed about that. And then uh, I think it was last year at the Vision Conference when uh, Lee spoke. And uh, I think many of us were really moved. And uh, I thought, boy, well, maybe I didn't go to Africa so I can go on this and uh, just what God was doing in my heart. And I think uh, uh, Jason McGuire kind of acted like he was interested. And since he's a pastor, everybody's like, okay, well, then you can lead it. And I think it kind of overwhelmed Jason, and there were so many people wanted to go. And then, um, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, Jason couldn't go. And uh, it come up at a pastor's meeting, you know, you know who will lead it? And I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like to go. And and uh, so uh, that that's kind of my connection through this. And I really began praying about it. And uh, shortly after that, I was just reading through the Bible, and I read uh, Abraham's calling, and it, it just says... Uh, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I know that was his calling, but, you know, in the context of me praying about going, it was like, you know, Steve, get, get thee out of thy land and go. And <clears throat> I was just thinking, well, you know, that that is a verse from the Word of God. And uh, I was thinking just kind of what God was doing in my life. And it's kind of ironic. I started discipling a guy, and guess what his name is? It's it's Dominic, <laughs> like the Dominican Republic. It's like Dominic is the guy I'm working with, and uh, so that was pretty cool. And uh, God's just been giving me some good messages, and so I'll be leading that trip, and it's coming up. Uh, trying to see uh, any other things I wanted to share about that, but I think that's really it. But God's been giving me some messages. We'll have some uh, training coming up and so if you can sign up or let me know in some way that you're interested and uh, we'll work with you and uh, help train you and get you prepared and it's just really been neat uh, you know I think all of us I mean this this conference is moving for me I mean I can cry real easy but uh, you know I got I got to help a lady lead her 23 year old daughter to Christ on Friday night and and then uh, you know Roger texted me he, he led a co-worker that we've worked with and witnessed to, mainly him, but he's he led him to Christ, I think, last night. And so uh, God, God's at work here, and I'm just really moved by that. And I just, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, these are eternal things, you're right, the, the Word of God, the souls of men. And uh, so that's what we want to invest in, and I hope you can come with me down there. Today I'm with uh, Mark Schaefer, and uh, he is uh, in Tampa, Florida, and uh, he is a church planner sent out of Midtown Baptist Temple, uh, Pastor Sam Miles. Uh, and so I just wanted to bring Mark on and talk a little bit about his journey, some of the challenges that he's faced, the victories, and uh, and just a little bit about the celebration that they've just um, celebrated. This is uh, March the 13th, so on March 12th, they were able to celebrate a uh, a great victory in their church, and uh, and then we'll wrap up with some prayer needs. So having said that, Mark, um, just kind of, if you could just share with us a little bit about your journey. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me to do this, by the way, Brian. So I appreciate the opportunity to just to share some things. So uh, my wife and I met in Kansas City, and just briefly, you know, I was ordained 
there and we were sent out to go work at a church in Ocala, Florida. And, uh, you know, long story short, we were there nine years, nine wonderful years at the church and, and, um, in Ocala. And, uh, just through, you know, set of circumstances, we, we felt God's leading to get, uh, uh, moved back to Kansas City. So, uh, back in 2013, our family moved, uh, back to Kansas City. I'm sorry, it was 2011. Uh, moved back to Kansas City and, um, began praying about what that might look like for us to, uh, uh, be a part of, uh, of a work. And, and, and so Midtown, uh, we, we landed at Midtown Baptist Temple there in Kansas City and, and, um, uh, just started plugging into the ministry there. Didn't know if that's was what God was going to have us long term, but they were a fairly young church plant themselves. I think they were about three or four years into the, the church plant at that point. And so we just dove in, started helping them and praying to see what the Lord uh, wanted to do. My, my, thought was that God was going to um, uh, take us to the mission field somewhere. Uh, my heart had always been for Latin America. My wife's from El Salvador, and I just uh, had have always had that in the back of my uh, mind and heart uh, and have prayed for that for years. I uh, thought that might be what the Lord was doing, but we didn't know. And so we spent about a year at Midtown uh, before uh, God started burden burdening my heart to come back to Tampa. That's another long story I don't have to go into, but but God used a set of circumstances to burden my heart for Tampa specifically. Uh, while we had been in Ocala, I'd always looked at Tampa as kind of a, a black hole, a place that uh, wasn't going to uh, uh, be a good place for ministry. Uh, we had a lot of teenagers that had gone to Tampa, and, and uh, they had all struggled uh, in their walks with the Lord. And, uh, and so, uh, God actually used that though to burden me to say, you know, a work is needed there. And so we were looking around at Midtown and at the time and, and, uh, we, we loved our church. We loved the, uh, you know, being involved in ministry there. We had, uh, no reason to leave there, uh, other than that God started to burden my heart, uh, for, for Tampa. And as I was looking around, we knew we were wanted. We knew we were loved. We weren't really needed uh, because there was uh, a lot of able ministers. And my heart was, let's let's trust the Lord to reproduce what we have there in a place that I, I felt was, was needed uh, uh, from our experience with Tampa. And so God just started burdening my heart for that. I talked to Pastor Sam about it, and, and he said, well, let's just start praying. And so at that point, we'd been in Midtown about a year, uh, and we prayed for another year uh, with with the church there uh, about what that might look like, what God would want to do. And, and in the course of that year, God started confirming things through his word and through uh, the leaders at the church and, and just opening doors in Tampa specifically. And so we just, uh, you know, came to a point where I knew we were going to be disobedient if we didn't move forward. And uh, I'd never seen myself as a church planter. I didn't really uh, know that's what the Lord was going to do. Um, but uh, he made it clear that that's what he wanted. And, and at that point, it just became a, a matter of obedience. We're, we're just going to do what the Lord is, is leading and obviously opening doors to do. And so in 2013, our family uh, moved to, to Tampa and started started working work in the field here. So that's kind of what got us here. There's a lot of pieces 
uh, you know, along the way that got used to confirm that. But that, that's 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 how how it all happened. Oh man, that's that's good. That's exciting. How important, you know, obviously you had some key elements just in that uh, summary. Uh, you obviously in the whole time were submitted to the local church, even though you were an ordained minister, pastor, uh, had served in a church. You made sure to be under authority and uh, and stayed under authority until you were sent. And uh, yeah. and so it's important when we talk about church planning that we're, we're sent ones, not went ones. And I really appreciate yeah. that. Uh, also, uh, something that uh, I I don't think that was in there is a team. Is there? Uh, did you go out with a team? I think you had a small team, and did that team grow as you as you progressed? Yeah, we had uh, several folks praying at Midtown about joining the work. Uh, initially, there were there were several folks praying about whether God would have them to join the work or not. Uh, initially, it was just our family, and shortly after, a couple of months after we got to Tampa. Uh, one a single lady, Lucy Aikens, uh, joined us. And then just slowly, really, and I think it was by, by God's, uh, provision that, that it happened this way, just little by little, people started trickling down to help us. And so it wasn't a, a big launch team. It wasn't like everybody came at one time. It was, uh, little by little. And, and there was a lot of, a lot of good in that. You know, I, I've had a lot of people along the way, tell me different strategies for that. You know, I've had people all the way from people saying, you should go by yourself. You don't need a team uh, all the way to, you You need to make sure you have a big team. And, you know, um, and what we found along the way is that um, uh, the Lord has provision for whatever circumstance, every, every church plan is going to be a little different and he's got mm-hmm. provision for that. And, and I believe it was perfect for us and how he worked all that out. Uh, I think if we would have came with a big team, we would have been tempted to think we have church already. Uh, yeah. and we, we don't need to labor in the field. Um, and if we came by ourselves, you know, there's a lot of discouragement in, in that. And so I think the Lord was just really gracious with us and, and took care of us in that. So. Amen. I know uh, you guys did a tremendous job, um, pretty Spartan beginnings, and God's really blessed. And so that's exciting. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I amen everything as a church planner myself, I, I understand, uh, you know, having a team is great, uh, but it has its advantages and disadvantages size. Yeah, you gotta be, that. you gotta be willing to go by yourself. Uh, if amen. nobody else, if nobody else says yes, you gotta be willing to say, Hey, I'm in whether anybody else is in or not. Uh, if yeah. this is what the Lord's saying, you gotta be willing to do it. But I would recommend going with the team. I'd recommend, uh, trusting the Lord to, to burden some other people for that vision too. And then it's always good to have an Aquila and Priscilla along your side. Yes. So, uh, so what are some of the, you know, just highlights if you want to share them? If not, that's cool. Uh, challenges and then, um, after challenges, what are some of the victories that you've, you've seen in this process? Yeah. So some of the, a couple of the challenges I would say, uh, initially was, was just what that meant for our family. Uh, you know, the, the, the change, you know, our kids had already, experienced a move from Ocala back to Kansas City, got kind of established there in their schools, and now we're uprooting again, coming back to uh, a new beginning for them, making new friends and, and new schools and all of that. So initially, that was a big a big challenge. Uh, the Lord actually encouraged me. that I, I didn't plan this, but he did encourage me this morning in his word, just a reminder about that out of Deuteronomy, uh, how the... Uh, you know, the, the nation of Israel was not obedient to go into the land. And part of that was they were fearful for their kids. 
And mm. God said the 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 very thing that you're gonna you were fearful about now you're those kids are gonna be the ones that are gonna the next generation are gonna be the ones that are gonna go in and fulfill what I wanted to do in the first place. If you'd have just trusted me to begin with and and just allowed uh that me to take care of that fear and take care of your kids, uh, you know, as parents, good parents, we wanna take care of our kids and set them up the best we can. But what I learned quickly, my wife and I both learned very quickly, is that we can't set our kids up better than the Lord can. We need mm-hmm. to be obedient to the Lord and trust that he's going to provide for them. And, and now what we see on the other side of it is he very well did provide and even used that time in our kids' lives to to help them to see it and, and own it and and still be all in with him and his mission. And so... Uh, God protected us. So that was one challenge, uh, initially. The, the other challenge I would, I would say for us was, uh, in starting a new work is, uh, making disciples without a, an existing structure at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we came and we were meeting people and we were starting Bible studies or, or, or even connecting in discipleship, we didn't have the structure of the local church yet. And that to me was, was a challenge. How do we fulfill some of the goals and the things that we're aiming for in discipleship without that existing structure yet? And so that, that became a challenge that we had to not, not rethink discipleship, but, uh, make sure that we are, are aligning things up biblically mm-hmm. and connecting people to right, you know, to the right structure that didn't exist yet. So we're, we were having a lot of com- conversations with people about well, this is what it's going to look like. <laughs> uh, we trust the Lord. And so we were really asking people to be pioneers with us. You know, we were really asking people to, to own the vision of what it would look like of making disciples, not what it currently looked like or something they could visibly see and say, Oh, I get it now. I, I see that, you know, uh, a lot of the early disciples couldn't see that. Uh, they had to envision it with us and, and trust the Lord for it. So, so that was a challenge too. Yeah, I can imagine. I know, I know myself. Vision is really important with a church planner in a, at so many levels. So that's a good word. I don't think I've interviewed anybody or talked with anybody that's really talked a whole lot about about that part where you don't have that structure. That's really good uh, mm-hmm. because you don't, you know, and you really it's a blessing uh, as it comes to you. Which I know now you've got some victories. Another thing that as you were talking reminded me of our our conference theme is we're. In Proverbs 27:53, talking about looking, you know, after the state of our flock and looking, be diligent, you know, to know the state of your flock and look well to thy herds. And, you know, that that component with our children uh, and how, you know, God really weighed you and tried you, uh, your heart. And uh, that's a that's a really strong admonition, too, for anyone concerning church planning. Um, yeah. That's a step of faith for sure. Well, yeah. um, so victories, you, you got yourself uh, in a. A new location as of uh you had a big celebration yesterday and uh mm-hmm. you want how did that go was that a great time and and as far as finding your church is that like the one of the mountaintops or is it the mountaintop that you've had thus far yeah so what we've really tried to do is keep our church focused through the whole process here we've been a little over a year on this uh purchase of the property and the uh, demo and the reno and and everything that's gone into that uh, but we've been real careful to make sure we we've talked about it in terms of staying focused on the real mission uh, that the building is a physical tool and it'll be helpful for ministry. But we want to make sure we're staying 
focused on on the real uh, real work that God's given to us. And so along the way, I think our church, in a good way, kind of saw this as, oh, okay, here we are now. You know, it's kind of like uh, not so much uh, we've arrived, but hey, this is this is awesome. This is cool, but. Now let's get right back to it, you know, and get mm-hmm. right back to the, the work and, and and stay stay on track. And so along the way, I can just give glory to the Lord that we've seen people coming to Christ. We've seen disciples, new disciples being made. Uh, we've got people in uh, our, our we've got more people in our discipleship to training than we've ever had. And that's that's just, uh, you know, glory to the Lord that that we haven't lost the uh, the, the focus on the right things. Uh, along the way with with that being said though you know we wanted to appropriately yesterday celebrate with our church the uh, the move you know and and what god's done and his provision for it and so uh we don't want to be guilty on the other side to not say thank you and give glory to the lord and and uh just be very um you know appreciative of all that he's done and and so we we wanted to take time to do that yesterday so that's what our service our celebration service was about yesterday really twofold we wanted to give praise and thanks to the lord um and and just let him know that we're we're so thankful for his hand in in the provision uh but uh, also thank you to so many churches that have been a part of that and and have helped along the way to to uh uh, help us with the renovation. We, I, I told our church this yesterday. I, I did a little bit of calculation, and I think we figured that we had over a thousand hours, a thousand man hours wow. of people from other churches. That's not even counting the people we had to hire to come and do some some work, or people in our own church. Just out, uh, other churches coming to help us. We had over a thousand man hours wow. uh, put into our our property. And so we're so thankful for that. And and that's just amazing. I'm sure that knits you together, you know, in a deeper way as well, you know, relationally. Yeah, that includes the new life Baptist (laughs) church. Yes. uh, With Brad. Uh, So they did a wonderful job. We're so thankful for uh, Brad and Travis, the guys that came and and worked and labored with us here. And so uh, that's one of of, uh, six churches that made a big investment in us here. And so we're so thankful. And that's exciting. That's so good. Well, brother, I appreciate your time and I know, uh, you have family in and it's a, it's a, your time is precious. And uh, I just, it's exciting to see you go really from a church plant to us. You're established in, in every way discipleship's going. And, uh, of course you want to continue to grow in the mission of God and, and send, be a sending church. It's just a great to just see from the first day till now, Philippians chapter one, just how God is blessing, uh, through that ministry. So brother, I just, Thanks for your time, Mark, and uh, yeah, uh, we appreciate so the much. time you've invested. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity, and uh, God bless you guys in your mission conference. How are you guys doing? You guys having a great conference? I pray that you are, because I'm having a great one, so... I please, I hope you have the joy of the Lord and seeing what God's doing for us. I got to meet Mark and Astrid Schaefer through my wife. They had such a profound impact on my wife when she was a youth at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. So much so that when Brian and I were engaged, we were stressed out planning our wedding that we were willing to elope and Mark and Mark was going to marry us. 
We didn't do that, but we were willing to do that, and Mark was willing to do that. I've got to finally meet Mark at our vision conference when he came back in here, in there, in, I don't remember which one he came up, but he came up, and I got to finally meet him, and it's like, Brandon's like, gotta come meet Mark, gotta come meet Mark. Guess what? I met Mark and Astrid. And every time a conference would come up, whether it was here or if it was at Mission Focus at Midtown, Brandon would say, Mark and Astrid are going to be there. We know where we were going to be that night. So this is such an impact on there. Not only that, through HBI, I got to actually talk to Mark more personally. I got, I had to, and so this is the nice thing, as part of the assignment during a church planning class, which ties into the conference, we had to interview two church planners. Well, I picked the two guys down in Florida, Code Blaze over in Ocala and Mark Schaefer in Tampa. And it was a great, great conversation. He gave me a lot of history, which tied into church history and where we came from as a church. So I got to know more about Mark Schaefer and his heart. And this past year, we went up to Living Faith during the Mission Focus Conference, and we got to see Mark and Astrid again. And Brina was like, there's Mark and Astrid, there's Mark and Astrid. And we kept on running to everyone else that we knew at Living Faith. And so we're like, yes, yes, but we're talking to Britt and Ruby. Hey, we're talking to Don and Eileen. We're talking to all our friends that we know and love through this fellowship of faith. Well, we got to, eventually we got over there. We got to talk to them, but you could tell Mark was worn out because they were putting the church building together. Not the church, but the church building. And then you could tell Mark was worn out. Found out today that, you know, one of my... Other churches that I love and dear and dear to near and dear to, MCBC took a team down to help Mark Schaefer put the building together so they have a good place to meet. And then you heard him say, um, "Living Faith," of, um, out in Clinton, Brad McGuire and Travis Lafarge took a team out to help finish that and got it prepared. And then we heard from Sam Miles. If you were here yesterday, they had the celebration. They were able to dedicate, so they have a building where they can meet in. And it takes a burden off that, are we going to meet here at this house, or are we going to meet over at this place? They now have a place to go together. So let's just take a moment and just pray over Mark and Astrid in Tampa, Living Faith Tampa, for a moment, and then we'll talk about the next one. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and just say thank you. Thank you for Mark and Astrid and all those that went there obediently and cheerfully and joyfully just to go do your work that you've asked them to do, Lord. Lord, just continue to be with them, allow them to be a light in a dark place. You know, as as Mark said, it's the black hole. Well, we know light can penetrate darkness, Lord, and so just allow them to be that beacon of light in Tampa, Florida. Lord, just be, as the conference goes forward the rest of this week, and, and as we go forward after this conference, Lord, just allow us to be that the the vessel of honor, that beacon of light in a wicked and perverse nation. We lift this all up to you in your great and glorious name. Amen. All right, so we get to talk about the next one. So I mentioned MCBC, Maple City Baptist Church in the thriving metropolis of Monmouth, Illinois. This church is near and dear to my heart, and I've had many, many times going there. I've talked to Mike Blake and Bo Green, the pastors of MCBC, they're near and dear friends. So whenever there's a need or there's something that wants to go on in Monmouth, I'm all in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go right now, Mike. I have a team ready to go. I have to wait till November, though. That's the bad news. But I do want to kind of go through here. I want to 
going here. I was reading through First Samuel earlier in the year, and it was my study for that time, and something really just pricked my heart, and that was Samuel. As a young man, he was answering the call, saying, here am I. Eli was ignoring him, but he kept on going back, and he said, yes, Lord, here am I. So the call's gone out, not just to go to MCBC, but we're going to Oaxaca. We're going to Boston. Um, we're going to go to Maple City, and we're going to go to Dominican Republic. The call's gone out. Are you going to answer that call from the Lord? said, here am I, Lord. We need to raise our hands to say, here I am, Lord. And that's what I want you to do, to say, here I am. So this trip will be going over November 4th through November 9th. It's probably the most cost-effective trip that you have as far as a missions trip outside this building. It's it's $50. $50. That gets us a nice sweatshirt or a T-shirt. We haven't decided yet on which way we're going to go. Last year, we got long sleeve shirt. Everyone in Monmouth appreciated everyone that went on the trip because it's a little bit chilly in November. So we had long sleeve shirts. Kept us a little bit warmer in there. So that's part of the cost. The other part is our fuel expense. You know, we all experience it. We know that we live it. We know that fuel's going up and down. We don't know what's going to happen. So we have to have a fuel cop. So we have the church van. That thing drinks fuel like nobody's business. So we have to be aware of it. Eight miles to the gallon. So, so we have that cost. Then we have supplies. Because we're going there, we need to have snacks for the, the kids over at Maple City Baptist. We need to have snacks for us. So we have to, we do that. We also raise a little bit of money. I gotta be honest. That guy loves food. So we do have to have snacks. We want to make sure that they're taken care of because sometimes things go a little bit long. We gotta have the snacks to keep the kids pacified. That in Star Wars movies, so we'll go into that later. But we do have to have supplies like crafts, um, and things along that line. So that's where the cost is in there. That's why we have a cost with it. Because if not, we would fundraise it. We would ask someone to sponsor and subwrite. But we want you guys to have skin in the game. That's why we have a cost to it. And then we've been fortunate. We've, we've actually raised enough money that we've been able to go out, do activities as a team. We've had a dinner or a lunch. All the costs have been there. And we've actually been able to put fuel in everyone's tank at the end of the trip. So God's blessed this trip. And I want to invite you guys. It's a week. But we have to be deliberate. We have to be diligent. And we have to do this. We have to do this. This is the theme of the verse. And when when Brian revealed this, my heart jumped for joy. And I saw that. We have to be diligent. We have to be focused on these details. We've got to be doing this. We have to be deliberate. We have to be methodical. We can't just go and do this. We have to plan. We have to be able to go through and execute with excellence. And, of course, we have to do this. Matthew 28, you know, 18 through 20, the Great Commission commands us to go, to teach, to baptize, to teach, and to observe. We're commanded to do this. So when God says, where are you going, you need to say, here I am. You have a place to go. You have four places to go. You have options, and the Lord's opened the door for all of them. So please think about that. Pray about it. Even if you want to just think about it, please sign up on the sheet. Sign up on all these sheets. You sign up, you're not committed. Someone actually did sign up on all of them. So 
That's awesome. But please sign up. We can have the conversation. We can be praying together about this. Where does God want you to go? And I'll be happy with that. And if you go to one of the other ones, come to mine on the one that I'm leading as well. There's always room for more. But if you go on one of the other ones, there's a little grace right there so you can kind of get a pass on that one. And watch out for Brian Barry. He's trying to recruit you as well. I want to thank you guys for your time. I'm going to go ahead and continue on. You missed it this morning. You probably didn't know it, but you've already been recruited to Ireland, so there's that. Oh. Um. This is a song that as I've traveled around on deputation uh, at churches, it's just a good reminder to me of how God has led my life, and uh, that's taking me to Ireland. And I don't know where he's taking you, um, but uh, hopefully you will yield your life to his leading wherever he does take you, knowing that he will guide, direct you, and protect you uh, no matter where God takes you. And all the way my Savior leads me Who have I to ask beside? Could I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? And all the way my Savior leads me And cheers each winding path I tread And gives me grace for every trial Feeds me with the living bread And you lead me And keep me from falling You carry me close to your heart And surely Your goodness and mercy will follow My Savior leads me And oh the fullness of His love And oh the sureness of His promise In the triumph of His blood And when my spirit clothed immortal Wings its flight to realms of day And this my song through endless ages Jesus led me all the way And Jesus led me all the way You lead me And keep me from falling You carry me close to your heart And surely your goodness and mercy will 
Thank you, bro. That that is uh, on my playlist. <clears throat> I I stole that off of YouTube, and uh, so uh, man, you made the top like ten in my playlist, bro. I don't know if you know that. So I love that song. I love, it. and I only I mean that's the version I hear. So it's like cool. I'm like at a concert. I'm like this is awesome. Um, that's such a good song. We've had a good good time already. Do this when we stand again. Uh, if you if you're if you don't, if you can, if you don't, if you're not comfortable or whatever, you can stay seated. But if you're comfortable seated, stay seated, whatever. Just stand, you know, put your left foot in. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, you'd have to be here Sunday morning to get all that. But, uh, yeah, get the blood pumping, moving a little bit. Man, this was this has been good already, and I really appreciate um, everything. I appreciate what Lee's had to offer and uh, what, what Ray was talking about. We heard from, from Mark Schaefer in Tampa. And you just just listen to this song, right? The Lord leads us, and He is guiding us. And uh, I'm excited to have Mike Blake come and and really challenge us. It's interesting, as you, um, I was just thinking about Mike, and 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 he reminds me of a <clears throat> of a lineman in football. Um, when you when you line because there's this unsung heroes. It, a lot of you got a lot of Chiefs fans here. We've traded off some of our unsung heroes at uh, the Chiefs. So you'll notice it next year <clears throat> if uh, Patrick's running for his life uh, because there's guys that, that don't always get all the glory, but they're up front just pounding away, pounding away, making Patrick look really good. And uh, and that's kind of what Mike's like. He just lines up, and he keeps hitting it. And uh, and he just lines up, and he does it again. And, it's, and he's in difficult situations quite often. If you were here this morning, he's not embellishing what he said. They They are... As, as uh, Tony pointed out, they are like a Macedonian church. They're not just giving of the excess. They're giving everything. They're giving above. And uh, and that's because that's the way their pastor rolls. He gives all. And so um, it's my privilege uh, to introduce 
uh, my friend, and but also a man I look up to. He's got a lot of, we always talk about how much gravel he has in his gut, but he's really just, <clears throat> he's a faithful man, and he lines up, and he keeps serving the Lord no matter what comes. And he's a great encouragement. He's the reason. There's a, a lot of the reason that Mark Schaefer is successful in Tampa. Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously as pastor and ascending church, all those things are huge, but also is Mike Blake and uh, and the support that he gets from pastors like that. So, Mike, wherever he went, there he is. Come on up, brother. And uh, he's bringing Josie with him, so come on up. <clears throat> So, hey, it was four years ago, and it would be Tuesday night. Um, I was, it was Sunday, I think I've told the story to you guys quite a bit, but it was on a Sunday, this girl right here was 13 years old, and I was struggling. My gosh, I couldn't beat her tail anymore because she was too old. And she was doing whatever she wanted to do. It was us. Uh, we were up against it, man. And uh, in my private life, I was really close to quitting the ministry. You know, because I'm preaching God's word and it's not working in my family. And uh, so it was a Sunday morning that I uh, told the Lord, God, whatever you need to do to get my daughter's heart, I want you to do that. Sunday church ended. I drove here. So I got here late Sunday night, and on Monday we had a morning session, night session, and on Monday night I was at Brian's house, and my wife calls. She says, well, uh, you know, Josie's struggling breathing, da-da-da-da-da. She goes, Mike, they put us in the oncology department tonight. I said, what's that mean? She says, well, they didn't tell me yet. She said, well, you got to do more studies. And uh, so I got on the phone with Josephine. I said, well, I know they don't know what's up. I said, uh do you want me to come home? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. The oncology hit me weird, you know, because I was like, that's strange. Why would they do that? So I drove home. It was uh, Monday, uh, early Tuesday, actually, I drove home, and um, we got the announcement. So it would have been like on Tuesday that uh, I sat with the doctor. It was about 1 o'clock when they finally had the results and told me Tuesday that uh, they said, man, your girl well, they told me all this fancy stuff. And I remember I said, doctor, I said, listen, man, I do not know Japanese. That's the exact words I said. I said, you shoot me straight. And they said, your daughter's dying. She's got a tumor the size of a hand over her heart and lung. And uh, and I said, I got it, man. And so I went back in the room and I said, Josie, man, it was Sunday. I prayed that God would do whatever it takes. And he answered our prayer. So uh, I asked Josie, I said, Josie, this church prayed for you. I remember on Monday night, uh, I remember, uh, or it was, I guess, Tuesday night, I mean, Joe Hendricks, and he, he's the guy that stood up and you guys prayed for us. And so my title tonight of my message, Brian gave me, was to diligently, to dil- diligently support church plants. I guess I need to focus on the word support. 
Um, we were in desperate need of that, and you showed up. So I told Josie, I said, you got to stand up and come in with me, because I want people to see you, and uh, they've seen your pictures and know. And uh, I said, you don't have to speak or nothing. And she said, Dad, I'll speak. I said, you're on. So anyway, you say what you want. I told him the one rule was not to make me cry. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to happen, but... Um... Most of you know bits and pieces of my testimony, but um, as he said, um, before I got diagnosed, I was quite rebellious. Um, I remember the scariest part, looking back at it, I didn't care what happened. I knew I was going to get caught in my sin. I knew, um, people knew what I was doing behind my parents' back. Obviously, I knew God knew. Um, I was, I was saved. I was a Christian and I, I would get in His Word every once in a while. I knew I was in the wrong, but I said I, I, w- I was gonna go until I couldn't go any longer. And, uh, what's crazy is, um, my dad prayed that God would do whatever it takes to get my heart. That same week in my journal, I was doing a devotional, and I remember writing in my journal that I can't, I can't take it anymore. Like, I, I can't stop myself, so God was gonna have to stop me. And He did. That week, within seven days, I was diagnosed. Um, so, in a way, cancer was a blessing. Not in a way, it was. Cancer was a blessing in my life. Um, within the first week, of uh, being diagnosed, I was getting um, in my Bible, I was doing a devotional every day, even through uh, chemo and spinal taps and such. And God gave me the verse, Hebrews 12, 1, um, run your race with patience. That was my verse. That's what got me through. Um, leukemia uh, treatment is two and a half years. It's one of the longest um, childhood cancer like treatment plans. Um, so I knew God was just telling me to be patient. I couldn't go to school. That was for a great reason. I had really bad influences in my life. Um, I had to be taken out of everything. My immune system was down. I couldn't be around people. Um, I really had the church in my family. It was amazing the support we got from everybody, from you guys. From I got support from around the country, you know, missionaries reaching out to me. Um, I really, I really saw the love. Um, so I want to thank you guys. There was no way we wouldn't get through without, um, any prayers or any support. All, all our family lives in Ohio, and even some of our family isn't very faithful to us. But the churches, yeah. and they're our family, and that, that was very clear. So I want to thank you guys. I wanted to give you a little bit of an update of where I'm at now. Of course, my heart is right with the Lord. Um, I'm in remission. Um, I'm done with chemo, but they did pump me uh, full of steroids. And the steroids messed my joints up. And that's a very um, common issue with um, teenagers who undergo leukemia treatment. Um, Most of them have to get a joint replaced at some point in their life. Um, So I have something called a vascular necrosis. 
similar to um, arthritis, just fast-paced um, bone degeneration and cartilage issues. And so in my um, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles, I have AVN, a vascular necrosis. And I'm going to have to get my knees replaced um, before I'm 26 years old. I'm 18 now, for reference. Um, and my ankle's been giving me a lot of issues. I wear a brace almost every day, anytime I have to stand for long periods of time. And I'm probably going to have to get an ankle replacement, which is very scary because, as you know, they're not very common. You hear of knees and hips all the time. Um, ankles are pretty um, new, so we would even have to go down to um, one of the Carolinas um, for that. Um, so there's that. And it was actually on my third anniversary, I believe, of um, getting diagnosed. It just so happens our Bible reading, which I followed the church reading plan, we were in Hebrews 12. And I saw Hebrews 12.1, and, you know, I just started crying because the reminder, I was still running my race with patience. Even though I feel like I crossed the finish line, obviously God's not done with me yet. So, but then the verse after it, Hebrews 12.2, talks about Jesus enduring the cross. I just remember being depressed about wearing, where my health was. You think after chemotherapy is done, Everything's great. Everything's going to go back to normal, but that's not the reality of it. Um, so I knew God was telling me just to endure a little bit longer because I have a lot of health issues still that I have to um, endure. So I just wanted to ask you guys to continue to pray for my healing, for my joints. Um, and I also, I am 18 and I'm also a senior, so I know um, a lot of people have been asking me questions about college, so I was just going to give... Um, a little update about that. I do, through cancer, not only did God make my right, or <laughs> make my heart right with him, um, he gave me direction in my life. So um, I know I want to go into nursing, um, which, again, bad joints. It's kind of going to be hard, but um, I'm like 100% sure that's where he wants me to be is in the health health field. So and I want everybody to know that the doctor, after the ankle surgery, did some knee scoping and all the stuff, and he sat us down while she was in a recovery room and said, listen, talk her out of nursing. She's going to be on her feet too much. This is not a good plan. So you talk her out of nursing. So she comes out of it. I waited a couple of days. We're home, and I said, Josie, listen, the doctor thinks you need to adjust here. You shouldn't do nursing. And she said, the doctor said that? I said, yeah. He recommends you not do nursing. And she goes, well, then it's clear. God wants me to be a nurse. And we said, uh, praise the Lord. That's all right. So, Yeah, I was like, the doctor doesn't tell me what to do. God does. And that was clearly what God wants me to do. So I was like, it's irrelevant. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to go to Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's about six hours from home, um, which is also kind of scary. It's out of state, far away. Um, none of my doctors are near. Actually, most of my doctors, um, bone doctors at least, are here um, in Missouri. They're in St. Louis. Um, so there's still a lot of unknown ahead and, of course, a new chapter of my life. Um, but I did get accepted into nursing school. Um, so we're going we're gonna to go for it. So.
Yeah. Hey, um, what I'd like to do is uh, I would like to... This, through this whole process, we've had crazy seasons and have had several scares. Even at the beginning, we thought actually it was coming back. And, you know, with the type of leukemia she had, if there's a, a rebound, if it comes back at that point in her treatment, they said there's like an 80% chance that she wouldn't make it. We've had some of these scares, and my gosh, God has been so faithful. You know, she was a miracle birth. We couldn't have a second child, so we prayed her in. My oldest daughter actually did, and so we knew with this miracle birth that I, we just didn't think God was done. So anyways, uh, I guess I would just want to make sure this, I've been very careful throughout this. On Sunday mornings at church, everybody wants an update on Josie, because she was gone from church for several years. Then, you know, immune system gone, we couldn't have people over at the house. It just like wrecked our lives, you know, it really wrecked our lives, Um but it, it was a beautiful disaster, you know, like it was the very thing God was using to do it, his work. I made sure in church I never made my daughter the issue. We never did that. And I had people say, Mike, update us. You haven't said anything in a month. And I was like, you know, guys, uh, you know, it is our sole job to lift Jesus Christ up in this place. I said, we well, talk after church, but let's not do that. So my fear was doing that tonight. Brian didn't even know I was bringing Josie up here. I just wanted to because you played such a big part in this. And so, but I just want to make sure that she don't walk off here and get applause from you, even though we love what God's done in her and we are cheering her on. But I would like for you to stand to your feet. And I would like to give glory to what God has done in our midst and in her life. So let's give the Lord glory tonight. So, you good? You did great. All right, you may be seated. My title tonight is Diligently Supporting Church Plants. Um, uh, You know, I kind of, you can probably tell I'm a broken individual because when I get chances to speak, he gives me this title. I look, I start studying and reading all the church plants in the Bible, and I end up hanging on this word support. And uh, I've had so much of it in my life, you know, the rescue, not only just from Christ and the cross, but then a church that has lifted me and held me. My family's been broken and busted so many times, and we've been carried through. Um, I'm a church planner. Years ago when I moved to Monmouth, and little did I know what I was in for. Um, and I just want to thank you. And, and I'm here to tell you, I hope this message communicates this very clearly, that, uh, you know, being a pastor is like the easiest job in the world when uh, it's not done correctly. And uh, when I decide that I'm going to do it diligently and do it correctly, um, and guys, before I did this, I was a cement mason. I poured concrete and everybody said, oh, dude, that's the hardest work on the planet. I said, you don't know. I'll go back. There's so many days that I leave the office. I'm like, I'd love to pour a basement tomorrow morning. I would love to go down and just in there. Oh, that's hard on your back. But it's easier on the heart, man. You know? So anyways, uh, hey, take your Bibles. I'm going to Acts chapter 20. I read this the other morning. I just want to read it very quickly again. Acts chapter 20. Hey, and don't panic. Everybody knows I'm a talker. Everybody knows I'm a preacher and I'm long-winded. 
but I'm conscious of what God is doing. I'm conscious there's a clock right back there and I'm looking at it. I don't give a care, but I'm looking at it. No, I mean it. Hey, we're in a conference. I get it. It's Tuesday night, tired, especially if you got children. We're going to get after it, right? I'll bump through this. I know what to skip and what not to. Acts chapter 20, it says in verse 35, Paul says, I've showed you all things and how that's so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. You know, upon this title I've been given, diligently supporting church plants, I kind of landed on this. He says, laboring ye ought to support the weak. I just want you to see those four words there or that phrase, laboring, you know, Ye ought to support the weak. Laboring is work. You're going to grow weary. Church planting's weary work, man. Like, it is hard work. It can't be done alone. And Mark said, you got to be willing to go alone, but you will not make it alone. God set it up that way. You won't make it. He says, so laboring, ye ought, or you better, it's necessary. So to diligently support church plants... It's necessary. Like, we ought to do that. When there's a need, we've got to be there. When there's a hurt, it's our job to step up, right? Laboring, you ought to what? Support the weak. And let me tell you right now, anybody that gets into ministry, and I'll tell you, about the time I think I'm strong, then I get the diagnosis of cancer in our house, and I realize, my gosh, when that doctor told me we had cancer, I almost didn't stand. Like, I remember getting up, and I was like, my gosh, I'm going to fall on the floor. And, uh, and and God used people to support me. We are going to labor as God's people and as a church to support the weak. That's what we do. And he says, it's better to give than receive. We are going diligent, to diligently support church plants. If you read any books on church planting, I've read quite a few of them, you'll find in there, they'll, they'll talk, talk about, you know, the way to evangelize, you plant churches. You gotta be set up for that. That's part of the process, isn't it? People are gonna get saved. They have nowhere to go. You're gonna be in deep trouble. So here's my message tonight. I've got four points with a fat introduction. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Everybody go to Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through twelve. And I know it's, you're gonna think, oh my gosh, uh, this was quoted at our wedding, you know? Don't people speak this at, um, uh, wedding conferences and, you know, marriage retreats? Yes, they do. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be worn alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a three-four cord is not quickly broken. You got it? We've heard this a million times, right? Jesus, take Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And God, right upon our hearts. I pray that we can wrap this evening up just the way you want it wrapped up. As we're talking about planting churches and missions and doing ministry and all these big things. God, I pray that this would affect our hearts, would start in our homes, would affect this congregation. And it would affect the way that we do ministry and the way we plant churches. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, don't think just marriage, even though I'm going to keep talking about marriage probably, but the bottom line is this, church, we're better together. Two are better than one. 
I'm telling you, we are better together. That's what God's word says. In Genesis, God says this. I like the way God did it too, because in Genesis 1.28, I'll say this, and you'll be like, oh, I remember that verse. Be fruitful, multiply. That's what he said. Then you know what he says a couple verses later? He creates man. Like we find the creation story unfolding, and he says, yeah, everything was good, but creating man was very good. I like the word good. Good creation, good this, good that. Human beings, very good. And then he gets down in Genesis chapter 2, and he says in verse 18, and you know, Adam, uh, he's looking, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. Not good. All of a sudden, something's not good, and that is what? Loneliness. Now, don't just think of your little heart and being lonely. No. He said, be fruitful, multiply. He could not accomplish that alone. We will not accomplish that by ourselves. We can't plant churches and do ministry when we're all by ourselves. I know what it's like to be alone. I was a little kid getting a hernia surgery. I'm not like, I'm really little. The visiting hours was getting ready to end. And I remember my mom and dad saying, hey, we'll see you in the morning. I couldn't believe they were going to leave me. It was very scary for me as a kid. Like, it, trauma. When I went through my life and I did all the lows and highs of my life. And I took this chart. And you know what the lows I kept finding out were consistent in? Lonely, 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 lonely. I don't want to be alone. I don't do well when I'm alone. Nobody does. Nobody does. We weren't made to be that, you know. And so I want you to know uh, another time in my life, uh, I moved to Kansas City and my truck broke down during the holidays. I had a girlfriend back home I was going to marry and a family. And it was December 24th. And I couldn't get my truck started. All the people I lived with went home to their families because we, about four or five of us, lived in this house. And uh, I spent my first Christmas alone. Well, I got married quick. I'm not lying. Because you know why? Who wants to be alone? We're better together. We're better together. That's what God's word says, you know. We're better together. When my wife chose me, I remember her dad rejected me. And I remember I went to Pastor Alan Shelby. Like, I don't even hardly know this guy. I took Becky in there and said, you got to talk to us, man. Her dad don't like me. We want to please Jesus and make our marriage good. And yet dad's rejecting me. So she's a godly girl. She wants dad's approval. We worked the whole thing. And you know what he said? He said, yeah, it sounds like your dad's a piece of work. And she goes, yeah, but, you know, he had some real concerns. And so he looked at my wife and he says, so he's doing construction. He's laid off in the winter. You know, he does that. And she's like, yeah, and he don't have a career, right? Yeah, no education. Yeah, that would be him. He says, the question is, are you willing to hitch up to him? He's going to be your leader. Are you willing to do this? And she knew, man, I wanted to please God with everything I had. But I, I had no plan except just to do what God wanted me to do, which was too vague for my father-in-law. And Alan <laughs> Alan Shelby said, are you sure you want to marry him? And my wife said, she looked over at me and she says, yes. I said, dude, we're better together, man. I'm telling you, we are better together. And he goes, Jimmy, do your ceremony right now. And my my wife rejected that. So we did one for my father-in-law with no blessing. That was fun. Yeah, going down the aisle and handing him, handing him over to her, not even looking me in the eye, you know. Nice. You know, it's great. We are better together. Hey, guys, when I went to plant a church in Monmouth, I found myself 
alone. I found myself with a bunch of hurt. I went up as a youth pastor kind of to do that, and then the pastor got, you know, we had to get rid of him. It was a bad deal. So anyway, I'm up there, and I'm really lonely, and I'm not making it. I'm getting ready to bankrupt. I'm the guy that every month the pink slips coming in the mail. Our electric company gave pink slips and said, you got five days to pay the bill. Your power's getting shut off. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, now my wife never had to live with that. She grew up in a, my, my father-in-law, he built a couple homes. Like that's, he did bought properties, cleared apple orchards, built a home. You know, and we lived in the projects until my dad moved us out to a neighborhood that my father-in-law wouldn't let her come to. And so, you know, I was like, that was the way I lived my life. You know, even this, it was funny, even my relatives and my brother, you know, I'm just like the power bills and my nephew's name, you know, and my, uh, you know, my niece, you know, they got the phone bill in her name, you know, that's just how it was. So here I am with my wife and not paying the bills. I'm struggling, trying to plan a church, you know, it was awful. You know what I did? I remember the church that sent me out, the Kansas City Baptist Temple, KCBT. I wrote a nice letter, and so I called the missions pastor up. I said, hey, it's Mike Blake. And they're like, who? You know, Mike Blake up in Monmouth, Illinois. You know, just a second. They verified it was okay. We remember. Hey, it's a crazy story because I was ordained out of really a sinful situation. I wasn't going to be ordained. I went through Bible school and shepherd school, but I was a knucklehead. Nobody knew my name. I'm not lying. I am not. Brian knows that. I was like, you know, I was not the fair haired child in the story, you know. And so uh, I remember I went to mom at the visit and I found out one of the pastors on staff at the church was having a an affair with the lady in the church that I was going like to work with in a new church I was going to plan up there. So I was like, well, I got to do what the Bible says, you know, so I just went to his office and says, hey, man, I got to talk to you about something. Like, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. This is awful. You know, and you know what it was? And as soon as I say these words, you'll know who I'm talking about. Buddy, we, you know, we need to ordain you. We need <laughs> Guys, at the next missions conference, I was up. I had to buy a suit to get on stage and get ordained. So I, I was like, I'm taking it. You know, I, I will say this much. I'm resourceful, and I got some street smarts. I'll take it while I'm going to get it. Because nobody was going to ordain me. Nobody except Rolling Stones magazine and 125 bucks. You can't get ordination in Rolling Stones magazine. That's a true story. Anyways, I called the missions pastor and I said, hey, uh, I got a letter I drafted up saying I really want to plant a church. If somebody could support me just for a little bit, for a one-year time, get, get us on our feet, get this church established. And he said, please, don't send that letter. I said, I'm just going to send it to people I know and that love me. He goes, no, don't do it. And he goes, here's the deal. Me and my wife, we're leaving tomorrow morning. We're going to the Caribbean. He says, and guys, my power is getting ready to get shut off. This guy's, and I, I just because my stewardship's bad, I know he don't have to pay my bills. I get that. But man, I was really wanting this thing to fly. And he says, I'll call you in 12 days when we're home. My power was going to get shut off in five at this point, you know. So uh, I got off the phone, and you know what I felt? Alone. A bad place to be. You do stupid things when you're in that position, don't you? We've all done it before, haven't we? You know, you get ridiculous. And so I just want you to know, once me and my wife got married, we're a partnership. And people that go out into the ministry, you know why a lot of people fail in the ministry? They have no support. They're alone. I can't tell you how many pastors I talk to, and they're lonely. 
the phone don't ring. It's sad. It's sad state of affairs out there. We need to diligently support church plants and men and women of God that go out and enter a territory where they're a stranger and the enemy is so after them. They're in the middle of war, you know? Oh my gosh. Let me give you four points and I'm gonna, this will be quick. You know why? You know the points already, right? Two are better than one because what? Good reward for their labor. If somebody falls, the other will lift them up. Three, they can lie together and have heat. And four, it says what? They're withstood by the enemy. Two can stand them. Three definitely will whip their tail, right? Four points tonight. When it, how we diligently support church plants, we work, we lift, we warm, and we fight. Those four things are clear in any relationship, especially a relationship in the ministry. So let me give you the first one. Good reward for their labor. So it's labor. It's work. Just remember that. I just did this to my truck. My truck's, it's like 14 years old. Um, engine's low miles, but man, it's rusted. You know what I do? I'd ground, I, I took my grinder. I don't even know how to do body work, but I figured it out. I ground all, and I'm telling you, it runs better. It runs better without the rust on. I even bought them plastic caps that go on there with the power stroke diesel trucks with the big plastic. I just got a half ton truck, but that's, I needed a seven inch plastic to cover the rust. So I got them on there and I'm telling you, it runs better. I put the labor in and man, I got good reward for that. I got a lot of bang for that. It drives better. So listen, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, you know what you need to do? Some of you need to do. You look at your ministry, the same old people in it, it's lackluster. You're like, my gosh, what's that? You know what you need to do is wash it, vacuum it, and wax it. Put the labor in. That's what you do. You got ministries like, man, I don't know about this ministry, this missionary over here. I'm not sure he's doing so good. We haven't heard from Well, guess what we need to do? Work. That's what we need to do. He might need some help at that point, you know. I don't know. We work. That's what we do. We're better together, but it's going to take work. My gosh. And I know there's people and you're like, yeah, she's a piece of work. She's our piece of work. We're better together. We're better together. Own that thing. That's what we did in our marriage. I got some great marriage stories, but no time to tell them on this point right here. It's been a lot of work. So the, let's work. Second and all, you know what it says? If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Whoo, has anybody been in that position? I had a disabled father. I remember coming home from school and like, Dad, Dad, I can't find my dad. And my dad's crippled. So I knew he's not jogging out in the streets, you know. And so he couldn't drive a car. So I'm like, what in the world? I finally went all through the house. The last place I did was the basement. Couldn't hear him. My dad had fallen. He'd hit his elbow, and then he hit his head, so there was blood everywhere. And we had a set of spare tires over there. My dad was, like, in it. Like, there was three tires there, and it was so sad. You know, but now this happened probably once a month, but it wasn't this violent. I don't know what he was doing down the basement. But I went down there, and I, I, I was like, Dad, what would you do if I wasn't here? If the cut was bad enough, he'd bleed out. My dad could have died. Then his back was spasming. He's, don't move me, man. I just got to settle down. I said, Dad, I got to get you upstairs. And, and I literally, you know, many times I've had to pick my father up. And he's like, oh, don't do me. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And he's screaming at me. I'm like, you got to get in the bed, you know. We get him up there and I was just like, wow, that was a little bit violent. But you know what? I was glad I was there to lift up my father. 
you know, and I'm telling you, there's people in the ministry. You know what you need to do with your spouse maybe tonight? He needs lifted up. Why do you keep kicking him in the teeth? She needs lifted tonight. There's missionaries and people out there, people you're disappointed in. You know what you need to do? They might be down. Be a lifter. We're the body of Christ, man. We claim we're about edifying and building up. And then we kick each other in the teeth. I had a great moral failure in my life in the ministry. I thought I was going to have to get out of the pastorate. You know what the men in our church did to me? They lifted me. When they fell on my life and got around me that day and said, dude, we're here with you, man. We are not going to let it go down this way. I'm so thankful, man. I'm so thankful for the men that did that. They're lifters. Hey, Eutychus, remember that long message in the book of Acts? Falls out the window and he's down there and like, that's what you get for sleeping in church. <laughs> There's some good principles there. I'd love to preach that passage. If you're a sleeper in church, you're going to die. It's true. You'll... Paul goes down and Paul goes down and the Bible says and Paul laid on him. Laid on him? That's weird. And then it follows up by saying and then he embraced him. Then he got the opportunity to see him rise to his feet. See, Paul was a lifter. You can call it whatever you want to. But he laid on him. Some of us wouldn't be willing to do that. We need to be lifters, man. Lifters. That's what we do. We lift people up. The third thing, I'm wrapping, I'm rounding a corner. You ready? Three. It says if they lie together, they can have heat. Now, a marriage, you can get this. And some people like to say, I'd like to take this session and teach on intimacy. Whatever. <laughs> what it really is saying is, it's cold. And when you're by yourself, you're going to freeze. Two can lie together and have heat. And let me tell you, my friends, winter's coming. It comes in everybody's life. Josie's story, when she got put in the hospital, like um, me and Becky went out to sell our car and to get an economy car. I was going to drive a Prius. And the football coach said, do not drive a Prius. That's what he said to me. Men, do not drive Priuses. That's what he said to me. I was like, dude, I'll drive a Prius. We got a long drive back for the hospital. And so uh, we're sitting at a restaurant while my daughters are in the hospital. And my wife, we're sitting there. We went to Red Lobster because somebody gave us some cash. We're in there. And I looked at her. She goes, I feel guilty eating in here. They're eating hospital food. I said, Becky, we need this. We're in the fight of our lives. It was quiet. We're hardly talking. And it was just a terrible day. That night I went back and I went to the room and we settled everybody down. I grabbed my journal and I started writing in it that night. And you know what I wrote in this journal? My exact words are this. I'm looking for him here. I love Becky. We will spend every day on planet Earth together and then in eternity. See, I was freezing. There was only one that could keep me warm. And God gave me my wife to do that through these cold months and cold seasons of our life. I'll tell you, you know what will happen? Somebody will start planting a church and winter sets in. And if you don't prepare well enough for winter, you know what happens. You starve. You're cold. 
you know, now, now we, we don't understand this because we flick a furnace on. No, I'm talking about the world is so cold. I remember watching this church. I remember watching this church as you had some struggles in your life. And then I remember I got a phone call saying, hey, Randy Foster's got cancer in his brain. I was like, dear God, it's winter time. How do you go through that alone? You need to be warm. You've got to have somebody that will warm you and just hold you. Thank God for relationships, man, and people. Because you're trying to do God's work and putting together a pathway for missionaries to get on the field. He's organizing this thing. Putting all this Bible Institute. It's not for here. It's for it's bigger than that. And all of a sudden cancer sets in. My gosh, it's winter time. Tony Godfrey, remember Tony coming to our conference? He was supposed to be at our conference. I get a call super early in the morning. He said, dude, our building burnt to the ground last night. I said, I called Tony. I'm sorry, man. It's winter time. We got to hug that guy, man. We got to love him and keep him warm. Jay, it was just months ago. Jay just started this church plant in, uh, in Greentown. He's new into it. He's three, four, five, six months in. One day he was just on my heart. I don't, I just, he's a friend of mine. I've known Jay since we've been, what, 14 probably? We've been great friends since then. And I just said, man, I laid him on. Hey, Jay, how's it going? He goes, hey, Mike. And then it was quiet. And I was like, hey. Uh. He goes, I'm sorry. He was just crying. He told me, he goes, it was a bad day. But you know what it wasn't? Just a bad day. The pressure's just built and built and built, and the snow has fallen. Winter time came. And I did my best on that phone call to say, man, I can hope I can give you a little warmth through the phone here just to say, I'm with you. I'm with you. We just had a guy put his daughter in a mental institution. And some days I just text him. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Their parenting actually pushed her in there. I'm not joking. But the guy sees it now and it's too late. This poor girl's suffering. Some days I just text him and I just say, brother, I'm with you today. I hope it just gives enough warmth to get him through another day. Remember when Brian Clark's uh, house got broken to in London? He sent it out on social media. My house got broken to, lost everything, computers. Blah, 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 blah. He, so, and this is our missionary, man. You support him. We support him. We've been there, to, right? Everybody, we love Brian Clark. I waited like three or four or five days. I was like, I don't want to bust, you know, mess him up. I know Brian's busy. He's very popular. Funniest guy I've ever met in my life. I called him up on the phone. I said, hey, brother. I said, man, I, I waited, you know, four or five days here because I, I know you're being bombarded. You know what Brian Clark said to me? Famous Brian Clark. You're the first guy that's called me. I was like, brother, I am sorry. I would to call every church that knows you and shame all of them. He said, people were texting and emailing. Isn't that nice? That don't suffice when you're cold. Just remember that. These guys that go out and, you know, think of the missionaries we know. There's people in this room and winter time comes, man. It's coming for everybody, right? So we're a church that makes disciples. We are going to plant churches. And just remember, we've got to work. There's great reward for our labor when you're a piece and a part of it, right? Remember the second one. We lift because we fall. We fall. We get into trouble. We're humans. That's what happens. 
And so you got to have enough relation. We got to be a church that is a lifter. And you know what? We found a ministry in our church. We try to lift fallen missionaries and broken people. We, not just people, but pastors. I'm kin to them, man. When something happens, I call. I'm like, hey, man, you need to come by. That's what we do. Doug Howie in Romania, the first time he came off. This guy's been in Romania for several years. Now, he's there, dude, and this was a long time ago, his first stint in Romania. I remember he got done with Romania and his mission board, and this was wrong, and this was wrong. It was ugly. And he comes back. You know what we did? We drove five and a half hours from Monmouth, Illinois, to the KCI airport. And you know what? We were the only ones to greet him. My gosh! It was the same guy. It was the same guy that rejected my letter so he could go to the Caribbean Sea. Now, here's what's sad about that story. I'd like to beat that guy up. <laughs> but watching, you know what happened in history? Wintertime came and he froze. He had nobody. Nobody wants to see that. Proverbs says you don't even wish that on your enemy. To watch somebody freeze to death. Awful. The last thing and I'm done. It says here. It says that. Um, if one prevail against him. Two shall withstand him. Um, I could put Brian Hedges up here on the stage. And say hey we're going to fight in front of everybody. To see who wins. I don't know who you would pick. Um, Brian actually has wrestling experience. So you might want to go to that. That's a great base for a fighter. <laughs> But what I could do is say, hold up, and then grab another guy. Hey, Brian Barry, I need your help because me and Brian are going to fight. Now, your money's going to change. You know why? We're better together. We're better together. And, you know, when the enemy wants to come upon us, he can do some serious damage. But he can be withstood when we're together. Guys, behind the scenes, when the hounds of hell come down and they're on somebody, and we don't even know that, and you can't even see it, what's so weird about the whole thing, and there's somebody somewhere doing the work of God, and it's winter time, and they're alone, and the enemy thinks he's got them. And all of a sudden, you and me say, dear God, and we begin to intercede and to pray or make those phone calls do exactly what here just let somebody know that we're there with them you know what happens and all of a sudden you know how it is with rats and roaches just turn on the light it's that simple we turn on the light and we find out the enemy you know because darkness can't comprehend light light always dominates darkness and that's what we do. So the enemy can be withstood. Ministry's tough, man. Everybody in here would say that. And not just pastors. We all know that ministry's tough, you know. Uh, I actually kicked a pastor, the head pastor of our church, years ago. I, I helped kick him out of the church. There was sin involved. I can't explain it. But it sounds terrible just saying that, don't it? Guys, the cops end up getting involved in this deal. That's horrible. I should never. I'm ashamed. Like, if I had to tell the details of the story, it's a shame. And I did a lot of things right, but there was a few things. I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that again. I didn't know. And uh, I remember he was leaving town and his family, all his daughters and his wife came by our house. 
And they, they think I'm at this point the antichrist. So they walk in the house and they don't like me or want me. And so it was uncomfortable. We had a newborn baby. So I'm like, <whistles> I go over to the kitchen, you know, they're in the living room wanting to hold our baby. They're holding the baby and sweet people. They've been good to us through history. And I just know they hate me. And it was, you know what was beautiful about it is I loved when the, this pastor's wife looked at my wife and said, hey, we love you, have nothing against you. It's your husband that's the jerk. It's your husband that's the idiot. He's possessed by the devil, man. Like they're giving her the, you know what my wife did? She's sweet. She got up and she just led them to the door. And, and she said these words. If you got a problem with my man, well, you got a big problem with me. Two are better than one, man. My gosh. I was like, wow. <laughs> when we have a partnership with Jesus Christ, that third cord, we always apply that to marriage. But guys, I'm telling you, it's the church. You know, sometimes we have these partnerships, and if we ignore biblical doctrine in Jesus, he becomes the Revelation 3 Jesus on the outside going, please let me in. You're not as strong as you think you are. You know, that happens. You know, so we need him in there. So the four, four points are easy tonight on on this. Is we're diligently, we want you to diligently support church plants and people in the ministry. And But even starting new works. You know, we got some people starting new works. But we got to work. We'll have great reward for our labor. Let's work. Let's sweat for it. Let's pay a price and give our money for it. Let's lift. Let's lift people up. We got a missionary in Papua New Guinea, and I love this man with all my heart. He's got a little family and some sweet. Anyways, I I call and I call him, and he's like, "Hey, Blake, you know." And he grew up in our church. And I said, "Hey, dude," I said, uh, and we're talking, talking, talking. How's it going? Ministries, this, this, that. Da, 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 da. I said, "Hey, bro, man, how, how you got? How are you and your wife doing? How's your family?" Tears. So Mike, it's not good. My wife's struggling. I knew it because my wife has often struggled. The night has got cold. The enemy's after you. And you know what I had to tell him? We're with you. Don't give up on that, man. We just encourage him with the word. And next day it sends me a text, Mike, thank you so much. And don't let that cat out of the bag, you know. They'll pull your support some places. (laughs) They find out you're that hurting, you know. So four things, got it? We work, we lift, we warm. And if you're not in the coldness of your... And some of you right now, when you're not doing well, we've had people leave our church and say they don't have relationships. My gosh, that's weird to me. But let's make sure church plants, we need relationships. The strength of a church plant, yes, we need funding. We need money to do all that. Biblical doctrine, once you get that, man, people hold on to that. I'm telling you what severs people's and hurts their hearts. They get cold. And then they get bitter. And some of them come back and they don't even have a sending church anymore. Isn't that awful? It shouldn't be that way. But I'm telling you, we're a brutal group of people. We're brutal, man. The church is, is, can be awful. If we would just, you know, the Bible says, hey, have things right in your home as a pastor. That way, that's what the ministry will be like. We always preach these things to husbands and wives and we never apply them to the mission field. We never apply them to the turf of the local church. Relationships are so powerful. That's why Jesus came to planet Earth and said, I want one with you. 
And now you need this relationship with other people. Let's keep each other warm. And then at the very end, let's fight. Let's fight. That's what we do. We fight together. You see somebody being oppressed? You fight. Somebody in sin, we fight. You get along. And if they get mad at you, just say, I want you to know something. I'm here to fight you. I'm fighting the enemy because he's all over you. That's what we do. We fight. That's what we do. And this is how we diligently support church plants. And folks, last thing is just this. We know it. Uh, I'm late. Surprise. (laughs) Hey, we're we're better together. End of story. We're better together. Amen. Well, Mike, thank you, bro. That was, that was, that was outstanding. I needed that. I, I could go on. I want, I want everyone to know this about Mike right now. He's not late. Uh, he's not over, actually. He really isn't. I, I got the counter right here. It's red by one minute. That means he's right on time. Amen, bro. Way to go. So, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but, but Mike was not over. So, okay. So, um, I know we do need to expedite and get going, but, didn't that minister to your heart? I mean, we need it. This time in the conference, we need it. But more than that, we need it. I could go on and on and on, and I, I want to, bro. Just thank you for being. He's not just preaching this. He lives it. If you're a pastor especially, he's. I remember he came one time. Well, I don't know if I should say that. I won't say that. But anyway, he's got great discernment, and that's a curse as well. Uh, the man that discipled me has great discernment as well, and uh, it's hard sometimes, you know, uh, to have discernment. And uh, uh, so with much wisdom comes much sorrow. And so it's it's hard. And, man, he, he bears a lot because he does know. He knows how he's got a lot of past, what's called pastoral empathy. That's why he can get up here and preach like that and connect with your heart, boom, like that. Because he knows where you're at. And God knows where he's at. And uh, he's an open book. And don't you just love that transparency? Yeah, we all need that. That's what God wants from us. And if we're going to win the world for Christ, if we're going to plant churches, we got to have that. Somehow, Christianity becomes a show, which right now, you know, in America, that is the primary thing that Christianity is, is a show. So we're wanting to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that plant churches that make disciples that make disciples that plant churches. Right? That's what we're here to do. You guys know it. That's what we've been talking about. Mike has been beating the drum on relationships since yesterday, today, and man, that's where it's at. If we don't have relationships, we don't have nothing. So, man, thank you, Mike. I'm not going to tear. Let's stand together. Um, I do want you to pray about and not even just, you know, one of the things that hasn't been said about our missions trips is you can pray. One of the ways you can partner is in prayer. Uh, man, when Josie got sick, you guys saw me up here blubbering that Tuesday night. It just hurt my heart. It just tonight, I was just a puddle over there. Ooh, you know, I'm just, I mean... It's about relationships. And I remember years ago when Mike, we were in a situation where we were, we went on a discipleship trip and up to Illinois. And man, we just went, literally, we just had the, the, the ground blown out from under my feet. I mean, the, the, my, my primary pastor, if you're in an ABF, so it'd be like your ABF pastor, the one that actually was responsible for a large part of my discipleship. I'll say a lot of, even to this day, a lot of who I am is reflected by his investment. He get he gets fired because he was committing adultery and stealing and all kinds of stuff, and uh, and just a week later we already were on a trip with Bruce Metter. 
Uh, we went up to the Cater, Illinois. It's like a week after all that went down. So it's close proximity, which I love that. You know what we did? We stayed on mission. And it was a it was a difficult season, wasn't it, Bruce? It was very difficult. And so we after the trip was over, the, the team went home. Good trip to Decatur. Pastor Mike Evans, as a matter of fact, I think the name of that guy. And uh, and then we went on, Amy and I dropped on by Mama to see, see how they were doing. <laughs> we were on that see how you're doing trip. And, uh, you know, we've been to Hot Dogs for Jesus, done all that other stuff. But this was a see how you're doing trip. And it wasn't good. <laughs> Man, Mike was just just struggling. I mean, not in a bad way. I mean, he was trying to duke it out, trying to work a job, being a pastor. I mean, just doing the whole thing. And and uh, another brother of mine, um, um, <clears throat> his dad was a missionary to Ethiopia. And uh, I went back and I told Mike, I said, this night, his name is Mike. Um, what is his last name? Just gave me all the time. Sidebottom. Mike Sidebottom. Um, I know his name, but I'm frail. So Mike Sidebottom, more mature than me, I mean, in general. Uh, he's in the Lord and, and age. And he's like, Brian, we need to put a prayer team around Mike and Becky. I'm like, that's a great idea. So he got with our pastor and the, the, that's over all of that, which would be Jeremy Bonison here. Uh, and, and then he they organized it, and we had a prayer team. We prayed for Mike on that team until the day we started this church. And I left that our church to come to this church. Uh, you know, I was on Mike's prayer team. And uh, and prayer is so important. So even if you can't take a trip, man, and I saw it. I saw the effect. Yeah, Bo, that's right. Bo was it? Oh, that's awesome, man. I forgot about that. Not that I'm overlooking you, brother. I'm just saying, that's awesome. God did a lot out of that prayer team, and it did tur- obviously turn. We're standing here today. Uh. And I was in a great encouragement. I remember driving over. He don't remember this. I remember driving to Galesburg with them. We were taking them out to dinner. And Becky was like, ready to, maybe God's calling us back. Maybe we need to do something else. And I'm like, Mike, maybe Becky's right. <laughs> you know, Maybe you need to reconsider what's going on. And, man, I remember him saying, bro, I, I burned the ships. I'm not turning back. We just heard that Sunday morning. Put my hand on the plow. I'm not looking back. He's not one foot in, one foot out, right? Not one foot in our men, you know. It was all in. And he says, I'm all in. And he's been all in ever since. He was all in before that. But, I mean, I've been watching this, brother. He's faithful. So I, I just can't say enough about what God can do when you pray. And I want to encourage you, even if you can't take a trip, like physically, maybe you can't do it. Maybe you don't have an ability to even get a passport. Maybe you can't scrounge up 50 bucks to go to Monmouth, which we can help you with that. You could trust God for 50 bucks, honestly. But anyway, whatever the case may be, you can sign up and pray. There's a section on these lists to pray. Just pray for the. Can you pray for a team? You know, I, at that time when Mike and Becky were, I was in, I was right smack in the middle of my HBI experience. We call it Shepherd School. I couldn't go to Monmouth and really help Mike on any serious basis. I was still in training, but I could pray. I could pray. And I could give, you know, and I could do what I could do. So, man, just just invest. Ask God, what is it he needs me to invest in? And God will get you where you need to go. You know, I would. it's so awesome how God's directed our paths and how things have worked out. It's like a, it's crazy, like a movie. God's awesome. Praise the Lord. So let's pray. We'll be dismissed, but consider your commitments and your surrender to those.
Don't just be committed, man. Be surrendered. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you.